This Week in Startups is brought to you by Cashfly is a pure play CDN provider that makes CDN simple, effective, and secure. Deliver content faster than your competitors and get 10 terabytes free forever if you sign up at twist.cashfly.com. That's T-W-I-S-T dot C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. House of Macadamias is the next big health trend. Get 20% off your first purchase and a free bottle of cold-pressed macadamia oil at houseofmacadamias.com slash twist by using code TWIST20. And Notion is now offering eligible startups up to six months free for their PLUS plan plus unlimited AI for that six months. Start saving your startup some money and apply for Notion for Startups today at notion.com slash Jason. Welcome everybody back to this week in startups. AI and crypto are basically the two why nows that we've experienced in the last five years. One of them perhaps fading here in the United States and the other one soaring with me to discuss it all on our weekly or every other week bi-weekly AI crypto roundtable. Sunny Sundeep Madra, the co-founder of Definitive Intelligence and Vinny Lingham, the co-founder of Civic and Wait Room. Welcome back to the program, boys. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for having us again. Hey, Sunny. Yeah. All right. There has been a lot of discussion about the phases under which AI will be adopted. Ram Alawalia, the founder of Lumida Wealth Management, it's an alternative asset founded investment advisor, he tweeted following prediction on AI. One, human leverage. Two, operating leverage. Three, management leverage. You guys agree with this? And did you see this tweet? Yeah, I really like this breakdown because what it, it and it's sort of like inverse and it builds on what we talked about in the last podcast where we see the leverage in the engineers first. Mm -hmm. then in the operating class, and then finally in the management class. And I think instinctually when people think about it, they probably think it's the other way around. But I, I really like the way Ram laid it out here. Finney, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree. I know Ram. Uh, he's a good guy. He's very thoughtful about these things. Um, you know, he's very analytical as well. So look, I, I think the, the big danger is uh, if we try and overanalyze and sort of constrain um, what is happening to, you know, you know, like trying to create these categories and, uh, layers of what's happening where quite frankly, it's just the wild, wild west. Who knows? Like this thing can go in a million different directions. It, it can upend all the norms that we with you know, management and co company building and, you know, every other norm that we can think about. This is like true disruption on every scale. And Chamath said as much in the all in podcast last week, uh, JKL that you're, you, you're, you know, that you host. Um, you know, he's having to rethink everything. And it's a humbling experience. Yeah, I, I look at this. And I think what we're seeing is smart people trying to build a mental model as to where this is going. Vinny, your point is well taken. Uh, and Shabbat, a great example, he's one of the, you know, I would say one of the great strategic thinkers uh, that we know. And people are trying to build a mental model of what is happening right now and where this is going. However, the pace at which this is going and some of the dynamics, as you're saying, Vinny, are not typical. They're unique to this moment in time. They are, in fact, uh, the black swans, perhaps. I, I look at this and when I do my, hey, here's three phases, <laughs> which everybody seems to like to use the 
the three phase approach. I'm not sure why it's not four Mc, or six. Mc, McKinsey, it's a McKinsey three. It was yeah, a yeah. We can thing. put them in circles. I don't know. Uh, odd I number know. works better. You can charge more money per hour when you do this McKinsey thing. Um, I think about augmentation, which he points out human leverage engineers 10xing, but I put augmentation for salespeople, SDRs, uh, writers, everybody in between. Um, and then automation, where you're kind of taking some humans out of the process. And then finally, you know, after augmentation, and the sort of automation is, re you know, replacement or uh, deprecation. In other words, you, you just don't need certain functions anymore, uh, shortly after they're automated. So some people might be watching the automations, which we saw with auto GPT, but maybe at a certain point, you're like, you know what, I can trust this thing, I don't need to have a human here. Just like we used to have humans as elevator operators, at some point, we felt confident enough to just take the human out of the elevator. So what what is your thought hearing those two things, Sonny, uh, about where this is going? Um, yeah, like I, I want to build on something that Vinny brought up last time. And I think, you know, we, we had a good discussion on it. And I think it really, you know, good on Vinny to bring it up. And um, a couple of days ago, you know, Samuel had a good uh Twitter post, uh, Nick, I just shared it in our chat, right, which is actually a quote from Adam D'Angelo, who's, you know, one of the kind of the smarter minds uh, in, in Silicon Valley, right, I, you know, ex CTO of Facebook. Um, and it really aligns with sort of what Vinny is saying, what Vinny was saying last week, and just kind of building on that, which also aligns to that first point where we're seeing engineers who generally never felt this in technology. Um, and having, and I, I really like the way he kind of phrased it is that, you know, every week there's new releases. And then because of that, he has every day he has spent hours to learn what's changed to also then, you know, figure out is what they're doing. Does it even make any sense? This is really, really important, I think, to, in terms of that first bullet. So, mm. um, I wanted to spend just a bit more time on that again, because, you know, last week we touched on it and it was, um, you know, we talked about what's happening, but to hear, you know, more people bringing that up is, is really important because that's a framework that I think every person that's building right now, that's close to the AI ecosystem, or even if you're not, you should be thinking about that. Yeah. Is your idea and what you're executing on even valid anymore because of something that's been released? Are you seeing that firsthand, Vinny, yourself? Yeah. So... I, I don't think it's moving that quickly right now. I think we still have a little bit of, you know, daylight uh, between when that happens. Uh, like when the when, when the machine becomes, um, you know, self aware, the singularity. <laughs> the singularity th th then I think it becomes a little bit more, um, you know, a bit more 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 of a like I said, a smaller gap between you know the the rate of change so the rate of change will go up a lot more right now it just feels fast for us but if i look around the, the, you know the big companies aren't freaking out there's no huge m a cycle right now in in ai they're not panicking just yet everyone's still trying to like place their bets no one's really making money out of it either i mean there, there are a couple of guys yeah you know, th th that's i think the, the big catalyst for when things go parabolic right um when startups form that start eating the big companies' lunches at a rate that they cannot digest or handle, that's going to be when we have the stepping point where everyone Revenue goes. destruction is revenue what you're destruction. To. Well, well, re yeah. Revenue destruction and or transference, right? 
Mm-hmm. So, and, and and I'll use my company as an example, because, just because, right? So we are a video chat platform, a, a video conferencing platform. We're lo- rolling out AI features. If people just start deciding to use us, and we, we haven't started charging yet, but when we do, at a rate faster than Zoom or Hangouts with a higher rate of stickiness, and maybe we had a lower price and people just move across, that's when these companies start to panic, right? And, and they go, oh, how do we compete with that? Well, it's AI driven. Well, what does that mean for us? Can we go and add AI? Well, no, because we have to worry about this and this and this existing customer and this revenue and how do we charge for it? And the, the machines of these big companies are just very, very slow. The larger the company, mm. the slower it is for them to make change. This is why startups always have an advantage when they're building. You, we can just cut to the core and say, you know, all these features and legacy that they're busy supporting and customers are paying for it. We're not going to build that. We're, gonna, we're not going to offer that. That doesn't make sense anymore because AI takes care of all these things. I have that, some, that's the disruption yeah. I think that's coming. I think when you get to specific examples, it really opens people's eyes. In other words, there's Zoom out there. There is um, Otter. A lot of people got into video conferencing, maybe transcripts early. And now a new entrant with only, I don't know how many people we have a weight room, but I'm assuming maybe a dozen people or something. You know, a company with 1,200 people, it, you know, now there's an offering with 12 people. And if they, you can charge it, you have a different cost basis than they do. Yeah, um, it, it, well, yeah. exactly. Like for, for us, because we, we cut off video at, at about 10 now, we're busy changing it around, but like at 10, we, you know, let's say there's a hundred people on, on, on a call. Everything else is audio. We're only paying for 10 video streams. Whereas with Zoom, everyone mm. has their cameras on and, you know, they're busy, they're busy feeding the, the you know, the video cost. I mean, they, they, the video cost they have to eat or the customer's paying for it. Right. So yeah. just as an example, right? Our model's different. And, and that's, not what, that's not what makes us, I think, different necessarily. I think um, for, for us, we're focusing on the AI components because mm. we've, we've built out a feature roadmap that we're going to, you know, in the next 60 days, probably rolling out four to six features, which they can't do in the same amount of time. It's just not possible. Uh, we're yeah, a I think team that's of less right. than 20 people. And so the, have, the, the fe- the, yeah. it's the feature. So right now, I call it feature stuffing. Okay. Mm. Like you got to take products and services that have been built. And you going up against the incumbents, you have to stuff it with features way way faster than anyone else. This is what Zuckerberg did with Facebook in the early days, by the yeah, way. Product velocity, he, exactly. Product velocity. How many how many sprints do we have in the next six you know sixty days, ninety days? How many features can we roll out? We've done the two by two matrix, and we're like looking at all the quick wins, the low hanging fruit stuff that we can roll out quickly. So it's not so much about rethinking everything. And and I, I get what Adam D'Angelo is saying, but I mean, when you're solving problems that ex- already exist and you're just doing it in a better way. Um, I, I, you know, I think you can overthink things a bit too much and focus on all the rate, like focusing on the rate of change itself means that you're not going to be focusing on building product. And I, I always make, you know, whether it's wrong or right, I'd rather focus on product right now than looking at all the, the things that change, even though I agree that there could be some redundancies, I'd rather roll out 10 features and two become redundant than roll out two that are really well, because I think it's actually, a, it's a feature race right now. And everybody, when it comes to the blocking and tackling of running your startup, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. CDNs, aka content delivery networks, are the place where startups can really overcomplicate things. You don't need custom authentications or custom codes. No, if you're a startup, you need to just check out Cash Fly. It's a pure play CDN, and CDNs are literally all they do. So they're the best in the world at it. They've been doing it for over two decades. That's 20 years. Cashfly makes CDN simple, effective, and secure. Let me say that one more time. Simple, secure, effective. Effective, secure, simple. Simple, effective, secure. 
you eventually are going to outgrow the smaller ones that are trying to give you too many discounts. You want the best of breed. So don't burn your startup credits using a CDN at one of those larger players. Let Cashfly handle it all for you. They will help you deliver your content faster than your competitors. You have to be fast if you want to compete, whether it's videos, your mobile app, games, content, SaaS. The faster you go with your delivery, the more people will use your product. So go check out Cashfly. And Twist listeners are going to get 10 terabytes free forever when you sign up at twist.cashfly.com. That's twist.cashefly.com. 10 terabytes are waiting for you for free. Stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, go to twist.cashfly.com and get your 10 terabytes for free forever. Yesterday, I, I brought our accelerator uh, and founder university back to in person. I went to the city of San Francisco and I was in the Pi Dai uh, and I had our accelerator class at uh, Fenwick and West uh, over in the Pi Dai and then I had the Founding University over at Wilson Sonsini's office and 100 people showed up for that and then seven people in the accelerator. And the big topic of discussion was I built this using chat GPT, uh, or some other language model. And now 4.0 kind of includes it. And then uh, are they going to just are users going to be able to just go use chat GPT four instead of using mine. And we had a really thoughtful discussion. And I said, you know, this is exactly um, Sunny, the moment that happened in app development, and you had a very famous app development company in Canada with hundreds of developers. If you built something that was of low value and easy to replicate, like a flashlight app, like a calculator app, uh, those things were 99 cents. People bought them. There were, tr you know, a there was a lighter app. I mean, people had all kinds of silly apps that they built and they were able to make you know a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars but shortly thereafter you had to make something thoughtful uh if you want to and something subscription that people could kind of work on and so i told folks it was one um that was making a virtual travel agent and i said you know there's things that chat gpt4 can do but there's this entire feature set that they're never going to get to and customizations uh, that you can do here, and I don't want to say them out loud here and, and give people a roadmap, but is that not uh, a good analogy? Or is it a flawed analogy, Sonny, the one I gave about apps in the app store? I like it. But I think there's one massive difference here. And again, this topics come up a few times, which is, there is an element of having access to unique data, when it comes to building something in and around AI, that's very important. Mm. And that was one thing that you didn't have to think about if you're building an app. And so there's like the feature angle, but you could build something that wasn't, you know, quite the flashlight or something like that. But this whole notion that you have to have access to unique data, that's a new layer in the thinking around, mm -hmm. you know, how you can differentiate yourself. Because what I refer to, what I refer to OpenAI as is the apex aggregator. So if it's an, anything that can be aggregated, it will be like, you know, the top of the food chain, right? The, the T-Rex, the, you know, great white, whatever you want to call it, right? And so um, I like think- Like Google index the world's information. Sure. But in, in, but what Google always promised to, to and it continues to still do um, and you know this really well, but you know, you were impacted by this in Mahalo, right? Which was, yeah. they promised at least drive traffic to you. Uh, when OpenAI becomes the apex aggregator, they necessarily can, um, they don't necessarily have to drive traffic to you. They can connect to your API and they can, you know, 
get whatever data they need or perform whatever action they need without ever having sent someone to your service. And mm -hmm. so unless you have something that's really defensible, you're going to be at risk. And that, I didn't see that in mobile. And, uh, the, you know, and that, that um, kind of defensibility is much harder to achieve than it was in mobile. So but, let, let, me, let me just uh, like ask you, Sunny, what do you think about the, you know, the, the difference? So, so OpenAI, yes, Apex, um, you know, what, what do you call it? Apex Aggregator or? Aggregator. Yeah, yeah, so yeah Apex Aggregator. aggregator. Um, Apex language model. Yeah, fine. So, so, so yeah. But, but they're not the only one. There's, there's, you know, there's a, a half a dozen of these out there that are actually pretty sophisticated. Maybe not at the same level, maybe not the same development team. When companies are busy building out, um, and Google's got one as well, which is actually pretty good, etc. Like, how agnostic do you think developers should be? So, in other words, like when you're building features, like we're building features, it's it's transcription, it's yeah. summaries, etc. Those features are agnostic to the model we use. So if we find that, you know, Google makes it a better product, we can switch across to it. So like, how do you think about that? Well, I think the ultimate pattern right now, at least that seems like it's going to play out is that you'll have like sort of a main, um, let's say LLM that you interact with. And that LLM will have a series of agents that it interacts with. Some of those may be LLMs themselves and th some of those agents just maybe more traditional, uh, just pieces of software that interact with an API. And I think the the interesting thing about OpenAI right now is that they've made that jump before anyone. So they have this plugin ecosystem. They have a whole bunch of developers submitting to it. You know, my guess is they'll have thousands when they launch, right? So it won't be like the App Store. It'll be even, you know, App Store day one, where it's just a few apps when it came out. And I think what's What's quickly going to happen is um, we're going to see a, a disruption. So kind of to answer your point, Vinny, um, it is a little bit of a time to pick a winner and try to align to that. Now you have to have some flexibility in your approach, but you know, if you look at where things are at today, there is a distinct difference, right? And we, in our group chat, we were testing uh, a quick example of one of these open source ones and and Jake, you know, you had done, I did the same question that you had put in yeah. one of the other ones a few weeks ago, right around, hey, give me a list of companies. And it's just not as good at, at, at it not um, yet. as OpenAI is. If you love snacking like I do, you got to find the perfect snack. It's not easy. You want one that's going to remove cravings that fit your dietary goals, regulates your blood glucose levels, and got to be something you look forward to eating. And you know what I love? I love macadamia nuts. Mm, what a treat. They got so many health benefits. I'll give you the highlights right here. They are the only nut that is rich in omega-7s. That's linked to natural collagen production, reducing inflammation, stabilizing your glucose levels, and healthy fat metabolism. And the folks, my friends at House of Macadamias, are obsessed with making the highest quality macadamia products available. Chocolate-dipped macadamia nuts are my favorite. But I also, sometimes I get that coconut craving. You ever get that? They got a chocolate coconut macadamia bar that is amazing. And it hits the spot. It's not going to spike your glucose. It's something healthy, but it's a treat. It's a treat. And they just launched an amazing cold-pressed macadamia oil with a buttery flavor and a high smoking point. Perfect for drizzling over meals or cooking. Use the code TWIST20. Get 20% off. And for a limited time, they're giving a free bottle of premium cold-pressed extra virgin macadamia oil with any purchase. Go to houseofmacadamias.com slash twist and use the code TWIST20 
howsomeacademias.com slash twist and use that code twist20 so they know jcal sent you i do think there's an opportunity here though for a new business model uh back yeah. in the day uh in france they had a little communication system before the internet where you could look up restaurants and it was called minitel and minitel mm -hmm. uh if you remember charged by the minute and it was an information service and you and a uh, comp you serve prodigy and originally aol they charge for the minute for access to data i think you know with the lawsuits that are coming with reddit twitter quora etc uh getty bloomberg and others new york times i'm sure will be right behind them saying to people like chat gpt4 open ai hey you're gonna have to pay us to use that data a new business model emerges that will make everybody a winner except for advertisers so if you build, and I'll just take the travel instance, and I want to uh, have a travel service that's built on ChatGPT4, well, when I hit the plugins, and I hit Yelp, or I hit uh, Travel and Leisure magazine, or a blog about travel, whatever it happens to be, in order to use that data in my model, I pay them a fraction of a penny, then that means we could invest in content, and somebody like the New York Times, somebody like Bloomberg, even a, a blogger, if their data was used in some way, uh, they can and specifically through an a through an API call, I'm sorry, with the yep. plugin call, it's super easy to give attribution. This yep. could become the new model for the internet. And it would be as if, you know, re micro payments were built into the browser, right? It was just something brave has been trying to do and crypto tried to do. And yep. we should have had micro payments, but this could be an incredible new model. And of course, advertisers did, did you, lose did you out see my bit. tweet, Jay? <laughs> no, I didn't. Is, I, is it parallel thinking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I literally said uh, I'll, I'll post the link here first, but um, a couple of days ago, I think it was. I mean, last perhaps week. it's obvious, but uh, yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. But we just out. haven't had this business model ever. Licensing yeah. was something that existed before the internet. If you wanted the AP story or an AP photo in your newspaper. You signed a licensing agreement and that kind of went out the window i mean blogs did have to pay yeah. in some cases to license photos and and the big and ones a, we have like a we have a, a you know a, a monopolistic version of that in apple news right mm -hmm. when you pay for apple news as part of your apple one you get access to a whole bunch of these things because apple is yes. uh, you know further it's paying a, those publications. that's like a bundle right you're kind of getting an bundle, aggregator yeah. But what yeah, I'm saying but, but more you, is you need micropayments though. That's the thing. So so yeah. how do we how is micropayments gonna it's like machines aren't gonna pay with wires and bank transfers and, and no. checks? So so it has to be a digital currency. Is it gonna be a central bank digital currency? Is it gonna be Bitcoin? Is it gonna be lightning? Is it gonna be USDC? Or you have your credit card on file? It, the user wouldn't be required to pay it, the service provider would. Yeah, so but, the no, service no, no, provider in the background would no, be no, paying no, no, micropayments. No, no, no. It's not gonna work because this huh. is this is the problem. Because micropayments or with Visa MasterCard, there's like a 30 cents charge minimum per transaction. You can't do micropayments. When, when machines are doing millions or hundreds of queries across different vendors for different people, it doesn't work. No, no. But for a new startup to buy a hundred, to buy, you know, $500 a month in credits, like I pay now, I have my credit card on file yep. at OpenAI to use the sandbox and my whole team has access. And as they do stuff, it just starts no, no, building no, no, no. up. That's not what I'm saying. Reconcile at the end of the month. So that, no, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, is the, okay. the new startups yeah. that want to leverage this, they would be paying as they go, just like they play for cloud storage, they would be paying for access to, to pools of data. And we could build an infrastructure behind the scenes where Chat GPT 4, your, your credit card on there that bought a thousand credits, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, they would just handle the micropayments in the background. Uh, and every month reconcile them.
So, 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 so that, for consumers, so, so, so it'd be different. Yeah. Okay. So that's assuming that when when the that they, they ha- that open AI would have deals mm-hmm. with all these data providers, for example. So Nick, you pull up my tweet quickly. So I put this out a week ago, and you know everyone's been going on about Web three being, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but, you know, well, Web three like it being crypto. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not crypto. It's AI. Like the next evolution of the web is actually AI and not crypto. Crypto may mm-hmm. be a sub a sub segment of it, like the payments rails or whatever. But the, the Web three isn't about decentralization. Web three isn't about these things, which you know. I, I guess we've created this whole notion well, that we think it is. Well, Vinny, Maybe it's let, just let, the, the let, web evolves, and I, instead of using Google Search, you're using ChatGPT, using I think AI this is tools. Right. I think I think this is well, right. Most well, people, we, we've had three Web three so far. The semantic web people claimed was Web yeah, three. Yeah. Crypto, they claimed it, and now AI is claiming it. Uh, and and actually, I think some yeah. people in the VR space were kind of trying to claim Web yeah. 3.0. Yeah. But I think maybe third or fourth time is a charm here. Go ahead, yeah. Sonny. You had something to say. Well, l- let's, combine, let's combine a couple of ideas here, and this kind of brings a podcast together. So I think someone both of you guys know is Grimes. Yeah. Right. And yesterday, Grimes put a tweet out. Maybe Nick can find it. It's quite easy. Um, that said she is willing to split royalty 50-50 with anyone that does an AI um, like a remix song. or whatever the right term would be called. Oh, AI song. Oh, like even a new track. You could create a track a new, with her uh, yeah. voice. You could write the lyrics, you could voice. do the exactly. beats, whatever. Yeah, this is the tweet. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So this is it right here. And she says, I'll split the royalties 50-50 with anyone that uses her voice. And the voice will be, you know, through one of these AI tools, yep. right? That allow, you know, we've seen the Drake one and a whole bunch of these other ones now recently. So, in order for this to pull off, now, Vinny, I'm going to throw it back to you, right? What is the best way for her to pull this off, leveraging, so obviously, there's an AI aspect of this, which does the voice, but, you know, how, how does this all reconcile, you know, in terms of payment and, and tracking and everything else? Because so I'll, I'll, I think you'll have a really good answer here. Okay. So, <laughs> interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> just messaging my friend right now, um, because he is a very famous DJ. And he's going to do something with this. Um, uh, and I don't want to say who he is yet, but he, he looked at this tweet and he was like, I was chatting to him yesterday. And, um, he basically is going to take Grimes' voice and remix it into whatever, some DJ track and then do the 50 50 royalty with her. And he's a, he's a big name DJ. He's like, maybe not, maybe not tier one, but definitely tier two. Um, and so I thought that would be really, really interesting. Um, and, you know, I think that's that's what it needs. It needs it needs another high profile. Like, I don't think that some guy in a basement is going to remix Grimes and create this amazing track. To, off the, maybe, you know, maybe if, if enough people do it, well, no, it'll happen. That's totally possible. Yeah, well, no, no, it's think, totally possible. Oh no, if a thousand songs yeah. come out, five will be. Sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. I mean, sure. who's pro- who's produced a thousand tracks in a year? There's going to be a thousand Grimes tracks out next month. Yeah. Um, 900 are going to be terrible. Exactly. Hundred are exactly. You know, of the hundred that are left, they're going to be good, greater but, bangers. But but I'd be betting on the I'd be betting on the DJ with a big name with an existing sure. o- with an existing right. audience to go. And it's this permissionless is collaboration. Well, exactly. Exactly. So so that's my point. Like some an unknown artist in a basement may, might make a good track, but no one's going to know about it. If there's a thousand others, they'll be drowned mm, up. By unless the noise. Grimes retweets yeah. it. Unless, but maybe maybe. Or but she if adds he, if it to have, her catalog on Spotify. Like if she well, uploads yeah. it. By DistroKid to her Spotify, then that would then she would be managing the royalties and it would be official. It would be on her Spotify and the, you know, whatever they call those playlists, like this is Grimes, this is the Rolling Stones. Like she could actually feature it if she approves it, if it hits that sort of level. 
But you were asking yeah. Sunny the question of how, how should these royalties be done? Well, and so, she answered well, that. She I said she wants to do contracts, smart contracts. Well, yeah. Th th well, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is a smart contracts for that, right? So mm -hmm. when you create it so that no one else can rip yours off, right? I think that's where it kind of intersects back with the blockchain. And someone says, this smart contract, this token, this is the version that I created. Yeah. And here you go, right? Okay, exactly. There it is. This is the tweet. Uh, talking with my team, if you register music with us, we can collect and pay out royalties direct to anyone who uses AI Grimes vocals using smart contracts. The future really is now. This is so cool. I'm working on a way to register and easily access vocals through elf.tech. Um, so yeah, this is going to, I mean, brave new world. All right, you hear me raving about Notion all the time. We run our company on it, and now Notion lets you leverage really powerful artificial intelligence. My guy, Presh, works for me. He takes everything we do when we do a tactical talk at Foundry University or we have an internal meeting, and he'll take the transcript, right? We cut and paste the transcript into Notion, but then he will highlight it, and then he uses the magic of Notion to create bullet points and a summary. And this is incredible. What would have taken him an hour or two of work to summarize a meeting? It's done in seconds. I mean, you're starting on third base. Right now, great news for all of you. Notion is offering eligible startups up to six months free of their plus plan, plus unlimited AI for six months. Notion's going to help you start up. You're going to save money because you can consolidate many of the different tools you're using. It's going to make you super efficient. All the info is in one place. Notion is becoming more powerful by the day and you need to get in on the action. Notion is now offering eligible startups up to six months free for their plus plan. Plus, again, unlimited AI for six months through the Notion for Startups program. You start saving your startups some money and apply for Notion for Startups today at notion.com slash Jason. When you use our link, you're supporting the show. Start saving your startup some money. Apply for notion.com slash Jason. At the same time, our bestie, Chamath, uh, wrote a blog post. And uh, in his blog post, he basically, he's, it's basically a rehash of um, what he said on the All In Podcast. Nothing actually new here. But he basically says, these are the main arguments against regulating AI and why he disagreed with them. It's premature to regulate something that barely exists. And he writes, mark these down as famous last words while it's admittedly early in the life of AI and generative pre-trained transformers progress is compounding at a rate that's measured in days. Let's take that first one. Do you agree? Where do you stand on this? Chamat's positions or the it's prema the premature? Yeah, I'd love to hear Regulation Sandy, Sandy or free markets right now? <laughs> Got to pick one. I'm I'm for free markets. Free markets. Benny, I'm I'm the same. I, I think I think it's premature to try to regulate this right now because all you're going to do is you're going to stifle you're going to stifle the the range of potential end results that we could have. It's better to like run all the experiments, see what works, see what doesn't work, regulate the stuff that doesn't work, than to prevent then put regulation in and prevent the good stuff from ever yeah. coming in the first place because some of the good stuff may be really good for society. That's and, my and, and if I can just add to what Vinny just said, like, you know, some of these, the comments are interesting, but, you know, AI in different forms have been around for a very long time used by a number of companies, whether it's drug companies to, to create, um, you know, compounds, right? You know, DeepMind years ago, you know, solved one of those protein folding problems and there wasn't a problem. I think the issue that we have today and where I, where I struggle with in terms of Vinny's point there is like, what is the scope of it? 
are we now saying this applies to machine learning, right? Are, are we say, you know, because that's been around for a long time. Does it apply only to generative AI? Does it only apply to a generative AI that comes out of uh, things that leverage transformer technology? How do you, how do you, where do you bound right. it? There's a definition that, you know, what is self-driving as, but one example yeah. is self-driving adaptive cruise control lane guidance or full self-driving. They're having that discussion there as well. And, yeah. you know, my position on full self-driving is if it's a beta and you agree that you have to be paying attention and they have a camera on the inside <laughs> that's watching your eyes yeah. and it shakes like on my full self-driving beta, I am now at four strikes out of five. Yeah. And I am super vigilant and I, I got all four strikes for the same reason, which is looking down at my, not my phone, but my navigation. And it just, I didn't realize how sensitive it is. Oh no, actually a couple of times it was also because the steering wheel. So there is self-regulation that needs to occur. I think self-regulation is the way to go here. So I'm well, going to- well, 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 let me, let's just add to that, Jerry. I, I, I think when you say self-regulation, it doesn't mean- that the industry regulates itself necessarily. It also means regulation by enforcement too. So what I mean by that is, I, I, I'm actually very interested to see what happens when all these artists that, and people who provide data to these AI tools go and sue and go and run lawsuits and run it through the legal process. Which that's is how we, fine. That's yeah. how we got DMCA. That's how we got yes. you know, a, a, lot, you know, a lot of the sort of foundational laws for the internet was based upon litigation. So let's test, let's test our assertions of freedom. Let's test our assertion of creativity and IP and ownership, et cetera. And let's see what the, what the, where the courts lie because it's, it's, it's pretty pointless. I have like, a counter to that. I have a okay. counter to that. Okay, go ahead. I understand your position, which is there are existing laws. You're taking the, our existing laws position. Yeah. Yeah. People break the law. Mm -hmm. It's on them. And that is completely true. So if a new type of gun comes out and it shoots a hundred bullets a minute and, you know, and, and, you know, instead of one bullet, you know, if he shoots 100 bullets a second versus one, we were like, hey, well, the person did the murdering. But then we did say, you know what, we're going to have some limits on magazine size in certain states, we're going to have waiting periods in certain states, we actually did look at some of the nuance, and machine guns automatics were not allowed, right. And so when we look at AI, I would encourage people to think, well, what is the equivalent of the automatic weapon versus a weapon that is, you know, you have to pull each time in order a semi-automatic. standard rifle or just a rifle. A standard right. rifle, yeah. et cetera, and the magazine yeah. size. So, you know, that yeah. is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is the MPAA. Hey, people are taking their families to the movies. What's a way for us to let people know, hey, somebody's going to be murdered in this way, in a comic book way, or in a horror sense where they're literally going to be decapitated and it's going to be blood everywhere. One's going to cause nightmares. And one is going to be a comic book killing where somebody turns into a pile of dust and you don't see anything, right? These were common sense things. Some of them became laws. Other ones were done by the industry. I think the people who are providing these services will need to start thinking about um, people being registered to use these services and audits being done on what they're doing. Now, audits are being done right now on what you do on AWS. If you want to steal movies and put it on an AWS cloud, you will get caught, right? They're fingerprinting stuff. There's a fingerprinting system for child porn on uh, AWS, right there. Uh, I don't know what that's called. But Google has and they've sort of look for horrible things. I think here, the AI companies should start thinking sooner rather than later about the auto GPTs, because I could see a scenario where somebody sets an auto GPT up and I brought this example up on uh, on all in um, where it would start hacking people 
in a very personalized way. So instead of just, you know, asking people to log into Gmail, it could be, let me find your friend graph, let me write personal notes based on tweets that you shared with somebody and automate a million phishing attacks uh, as but one example. How, how do we have the platforms think about that, Sonny, and self-regulation? You heard Vinny's let the laws handle it. You, you heard me give some yeah. examples of self-regulation. Where, where would you uh, land after hearing those two descriptions? Well, you know, I, 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 again, just put my technologist hat back on and I go, look, anytime these things happen, you have to fight the technology with more technology. So I think for every AI that will, you know, potentially exist to do something that's harmful, there'll be AIs that are there to protect you. And we have those now, right? Those are the things that run in our spam filters and, and you know, on our phone. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, Apple has something that runs on your phone, even yes. without your permission for child pornography. Yep. Right? Yes. Yes. Yep. That th that they report if, you know, you take those pictures and they end up in your uh, photos. Which and I think so they they were the scanning of people's personal clouds they stopped yeah. doing that people felt that was too intrusive but if they put it in the cloud maybe they did i'm they not sure it, where I they wound they, up they do it on device yeah but ah. but co coming back to that jacob that's technology that is using yes. ai to you know combat bad things that people are doing and so okay. i just come back to there'll be a set of companies that are out there combating the auto gpts that are trying to hack people and and um, you know, write fake reviews to sites. And so I think it's just going to be a, a, even a larger technology battle on both sides, which we've seen. So for every spam originator there there is, there's multiple companies that fight spam. There's multiple companies mm -hmm. that provide firewalls, right? Like there's, I mean, you probably even had them as sponsors at some point, Jay Cal, right? They're yep. like very standard in airports and stuff like that. And so here's yeah, sort of just the way the technology cycle works. Let's talk about another argument uh, that Chamath heard and that he rebuts in his blog post. Government doesn't have the credibility or track record to effectively regulate technology. He says, experience suggests the contrary. In a well-regulated industry like drugs and pharmaceuticals, for example, the Food and Drug Administration, uh, they maintain a tight hold over what can uh, be sold in order to ensure safety of customers. So do we believe the government analogy here for the FDA is analogous to 100 million people using ChatGPT. <laughs> I think there's a scale issue here. What do you think, Vinny? Yeah, I, uh, I know. Go ahead, say. No, I was going to say, I think it's a scale issue. I think the government can properly regulate anything they want to. It's just a matter of, can they keep up with the pace of the, you know, the innovation? Yeah, I, think, I think here's the problem, Jake. We're, we're at the bottom of a very, very steep slope that's approaching for, for the amount of change and disruption and whatever else is going to happen in AI. And when regulators start trying to do stuff now, or like the government starts looking at it now, what they, by the time they like take stock of what it is today and try and process it and figure it out and create a law, the shit's changed so much in the next six months, 12 months, they have to start from scratch again. So, I, you know, that's, that's another good like argument from my side, why, why I think it's just, you know, government just needs to sit back. I, I don't think they can do much. The other thing is we're also hitting um uh you know computational uh constraints i mean all the big cloud providers are hitting the wall with gpus uh running the models the training models etc that's an extraordinary point you're making video you yeah. know when's the last time we saw technical constraints in our mm -hmm. industry it was dial-up speeds yes um oh, maybe and, sto and storage costs and, st storage cost was and a big storage problem. costs storage costs right yeah. so 
those were the last two massive hurdles. And then before that, obviously, there were some CPU GPU issues of running a movie on your laptop, right? It would. Yep. So we had CPU GPU issues in the 80s and 90s. We had bandwidth issues in the 90s. Those went away in 2000. Uh, we had storage issues up until Dropbox, which would be 20, 2005, 2010. Eight. We saw well, storage. 2008, yeah, 8 to 10, yeah. Yeah, YouTube. Like, we, YouTube and Dropbox were, and Box were companies that were built well, off I, of I mean, it was, storage it was, it was, becoming it was, it was, free or close to cheap. So, yeah, uh, so cheap. Th th for me, it was um, the speed of connection. Then it was mm -hmm. the cost. You remember, like, it was very expensive uh, and slow in the beginning. Um, and then the storage, like just streaming, watching YouTube, et cetera, even the, even like Netflix, they were spending so much money on at one point on uh, they were losing money uh, uh, back in the days on the cost of just streaming right now. It's yes. nothing. Now it costs nothing to stream. Like you can download, I, I like, I download 80 gigs for a modern world. So here we are updates, again, no problem. Here we are again with a constraint. A so big if we constraint. were to look at a, a, a big constraint, which is these NVIDIA, uh, what do they call them? G100s or something? G, well, no, not just G100s. Like it's, A100s? It's a, yeah, A100s, yeah. It's not, it's not just... A100s, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. just those chips. It's any... It's any you know, like we, we have a, a shortage of GPU, GPU compute power across generative AI uh, in AI. There's lots of different chips. My point is like not just AI chips. We just have a GPU shortage that's emerging worldwide. If something has to happen to tsmc taiwan semiconductors okay if, if if china and america go to war with over taiwan or whatever if any of that stuff happens in the next 12 to 18 to 24 months we're going to be screwed we don't have enough compute power we're not going to be able to make pictures of I'll david you, sachs as batman <laughs> yeah. i'll give you the other side of that though okay here you, we go. you know i started my career in semiconductors and so the the cycle in semiconductors only two years mm-hmm so at any given point to get to the m m latest and greatest technology, it's only ever two well, years. Well, you have away. to have a fab up, so, right? You, you can't. You can't not have a fab. Yeah, but 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 no. But those things have existed in the U.S. for a long time, and they can they can fire those back up, right? And so to 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 get like to get to fab capacity of the latest technology, it's just it's always just two years away, and the companies that provide all the technology underneath to make that happen are all you know mostly American companies as well, like applied materials and mm -hmm. whatnot, right? And so I think you can't fight it right away, but given that this rhetoric's been happening for the last year to six months, I think we're only, you know, six to 12 months away from having, you know, start having start of capacity ourselves. Well, well Mike, Amazon, I think I saw was actually building their own competitive chip to the A100. Um, well, and Elon at Tesla is building his own, yep, um, yep, you yep. know, platform as well. So you know, when you have constraint, it leads to even more innovation and more players mm -hmm. going after this. I've never seen, we want to talk about things moving quickly. I mean, when did we ever see the government push through a regulation and a spending bill at the scale of the CHIPS Act? They are in full-scale panic mode over the possibility that we could have chips be constrained because of this Taiwan situation. And one wonders if the pace of AI combined with uh, you know, the availability of chips is actually pushing this issue onto a different timeline. We're seeing a geopolitical and, and just letting this sink in for a second. We're seeing in geopolitics the possibility that a war over a constrained chipset for AI could be the next world war. 
I mean, I, I don't want to sound like it's, it's, hysterical. It's very, well, it's very, it's, no, no, it's, it's very possible, Jekyll. <laughs> in fact, I, I would actually say that it's more likely than not because what's going to happen in the next. So it goes back to my revenue destruction transference argument. The moment we start seeing revenue moving to startups from traditional companies, and then these companies, who, which are at scale, have to implement AI and need the GPU compute power and they don't have it. Like, this is where the choke point comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, the people using AI, uh, by and large, and tell me, telling you, I know you're more on the ground in San Francisco these days than I am. Like, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a cottage industry of startups and small enterprises. It's not the big guys, right? Mm hmm. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's everywhere. Like, it's uh, everywhere, I'll, yeah. I'll find it sure. Like, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley just, uh, put a little presentation out earlier today. I'll find it and send it in the chat in a second. Um, it's, it's all over the place. I think but are they deploying you know, it at scale? My, my point is, are they, are they deploying well, it? In, like, is infer like inference, for example, um, you know, with these models, like, are they, are they running, like, are they running it at a high enough capacity or utilization? that it's going to cause a strain on the GPU infrastructure that they've got. I don't think so. I don't think it, it's there yet. Oh, I mean, well, I, uh, I think we, we saw it with Azure. I mean, they, when P, they're limiting ChatGPT4 searches, if you have a paid account to 30 yeah, every 20, couple 25, of hours. 25. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, if they're throttling it, there's a reason. And I think the reason is this system, these systems are being pushed to the brink because of so much innovation, but we'll catch up. I mean, this is, but, no, this is not the first what I'm saying is, What I'm saying is like the corporate America hasn't huh. fully adopted AI yet. We're talking about- That's the crazy part, yes. Maybe, maybe 1%, maybe if that, the rest are all sitting uh, on the sidelines and the moment they need to, where's the compute power gonna come from? We don't have enough GPUs out there. I told everybody in all my companies, uh, or the two companies I'm running to get on ChatGPT4 to expense the $20 a month, and I invited everybody to get on the play around at my investment company. I had uh, gave every one of them access to my, you know, credit card account back thing. And I said, I want everybody to do every job you have, start with a chat GPT four search, and then go and back and do your job and then report back with screenshots. And I'm deadly serious like about it. it. Yep. If anybody on my teams, because yeah. they listen to the pod, if you're not using chat GPT four every day, and testing it on everything you do, you're not going to last at a company I work for period full stop. Uh, that would be like showing up to work without a computer. You show up to work for me without a chat GPT-4 window open, you don't work for me. Because that's how much I believe this is going to transform stuff. And as but one example, uh, you know, we're raising this fourth launch fund. And I was like, I wonder if there's LP and institutions I don't I don't know. And we're having this angel summit. I was like, let me invite 20 LPs to come to the summit to balance out all the VCs who are there. And they like to meet VCs and VCs, of course, like to meet LPs. So I start pulling up lists and um, I start doing a chat GPT. I put it in a table and then I open up my window over at my sandbox and I say, hey, for this foundation I've never heard of, can you give me the Twitter URL and the LinkedIn URL of anybody who has the word partner, uh, you know, in their thing? And it, of course, knows LinkedIn, I guess, because Microsoft and chat GPT and OpenAI are so connected and they own LinkedIn. And then I got the table. I was like, this is a research project that I would have spent thousands of dollars and weeks on and it's done instantly. Now I don't have auto GPT and I'm not a developer yet with an, uh, one of the guys uh, from OpenAI told me they'll put my account on the plugins, but I'm going to plug this in to my Gmail or Zapier or something. And I'm just going to send a chat GPT message that says, dear blank, this is my AI. It's Jason Calacanis. This is my AI coming from my real address. I asked my AI to tell me people who might 
be interested in coming to the angel summit i see you're connected to these other speakers who are already coming here if you're interested in coming let me know and if you hit reply you'll actually get J the real jason this is jason ai how hard is that last piece to do sunny because i'm oh, not a developer I mean, you know what jake how we should just do as an, ex as an experiment we can sit down mm. for three hours and do it, it and three hours would be a stretch right it's, it's all doable all right. right now all right, I'll mm -hmm. come to your I'll come to your office on Saturday yeah, by your lunch. Um, it'd be cool to hang out. I mean, I, I was just thinking, I want to be a developer again. That's how inspired yeah. I was by this. I was like, if I do this, that's literally a full time job at my company. I don't have to hire. Well, I was thinking of hiring again, somebody to do relations. I don't I, need somebody I, to do relations if I I've got like, this AI out there doing this different. for me. It's ten x JCal. That's what you get. It's a ten x JCal networking. Yeah, again, like, the, the, this is the, the, this is why I think the benefit's going to accrue to um, the startup world at a much higher rate yes, than big companies. Because because if you have we have I think uh, eight or ten engineers, if I can ten x that, I've got a hundred person effective team, right? But you, you precisely. You, but uh, you know, a company with uh, ten thousand engineers, what do you do with a hundred thousand engineers? You can't do the same. You, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's you start like, laying ten thousand people off. Exactly is what exactly, you start doing, which exactly. is why Zuckerberg. Just did, a, I, did he do a third riff? Did I read that correctly? He did like, he did 10, 10, and then another four? Four, yeah. Wow. 24,000 and a hiring freeze. He's getting fit. And people are, see, this is the thing about the sky is falling. Um, you know, people saying, we're saying, as technologists, the sky is falling. And that we're overreacting. When people say we're overreacting, and I explained to you the story of running a venture firm and that I was going to hire a human being to meet with LPs for me, potential LPs, and invite them to events and try to build relationships with them. And I, in an afternoon, as a non-developer, figured out, hey, I can get halfway there and Sonny as a developer or any other developer hire could get me the other three hours there and I 10x myself. I don't need to hire that person. Anybody hearing my voice and hearing that example should be thinking about their own job and how much code it would take to rewrite and automate their job. I mean, this is speaking of code rewrites. You, you realize you could, you can give an entire code base to, um, to, to, to open AI and say, re rewrite it in a different language or rewrite this, you know, or clean up the code and write it better. Uh, remove all the bugs, like scan for vulnerabilities. Like this is what makes a 10x developer. Like you can just basically you, you, with very little coding knowledge and experience, um, you know, as a junior developer, you can do the stuff that senior developers do because this thing is doing it all for you. It's quite amazing. How many times, like, I mean, microservice architecture has changed the way we do development over the years. But 20 years ago, migrating from one stack to another was, it would take months to rewrite the code. You could, you know, now it's just like, okay, we open up an API and the system talk to each other. But remember those days, Sunny? It was insane. Like using <laughs> J2M, you know, Java, J2ME and, um, yeah. yeah, like whatever, like whatever stack you were using. It was a joke. Have you guys used share GPT where you can kind of share your thread? Share your prompts. Yeah. yeah. You share your prompts and right. the whole thing. I yeah. find that super fascinating. Um, and so I basically shared it on Twitter and I asked people like what they would change. And I had so many different developers contact me like, yeah, I could take this to the next level for you. And I'm like, wow, this is super powerful. Sunny, you uh, also uh, shared with me in the group chat, a link to an open source chat GPT competitor. You referenced it earlier. What's the name of it? So and how this close is, is it to you know, why should we care? How close is it to chat GPT 3.5 or 4? Yeah. Um, 
I'm not in a position to kind of benchmark it because it, it mm-hmm. literally just released a few hours ago. So Hugging Face is actually like a um, a platform where they collect lots of different um, machine learning models uh, and, you know, kind of beyond just uh, AI and the way we've been thinking about it the last few months. And so they've launched something, uh, I believe it's called like Hugging Face GPT or something like a chat. Um, let me pull up the exact name. And why this is important, it goes back to some of the origins around what people have been talking about with respect to safety and transparency. So it's an open source model. Everything is open. And so we can see how it's been trained. Mm. We can see how it operates. We can see the code for it. And, you know, go, goes back to your friend Elon and why he named OpenAI OpenAI. It was meant to be open for the safety and benefit of humans, right? And I had shared uh, a tweet a few minutes ago with, uh, with Nick, if you want to pull up that one, where it kind of intersects this part of the conversation, a previous one, where he goes on about like, people just don't understand sort of the power of, and this is where I kind of a little bit of a different view from Vinny is that the AIs are already powerful because folks like Elon, who've been thinking about this a lot longer than any of us are already saying it. And so, um, and he's like, you know, right on, like I've seen a few technologies develop, but none with this level of risk. And, you know, smart humans have trouble imagining uh, something that's vastly smarter than themselves. And I think he's gotten to the point, and maybe, you know, Jake, you can comment here, where he believes that these things are already smarter than us. I was having these conversations with him 15 years ago um, when uh, Super Intelligence, that book came out, uh, mm. and Sam Harris, myself, and Elon um, were talking about it over dinner. And Sam Harris was new to AI. Um, but Elon was absolutely convinced because what people don't know is Elon was on the board of and a major investor in DeepMind. He begged the DeepMind company to not sell to Google, to remain independent. He offered them the funding, and then he wound up giving Sam Altman the funding uh, to try to make this open source version, to try to get the world to see what was happening and make it open source. And of course, um, you, Sam decided to pull the old switcheroo and took a what was the mission to be nonprofit and open to for profit and closed. That is a story that remains a mystery, I think, to the world as to what happened there. I am I have my concerns, uh, if I'm being totally honest, that open AI is not sharing the source code. Um, that to me, is very much a tell they said, this technology is too dangerous to not have it be open source. Then they said it's too dangerous to make it open source. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Does that mean they have discovered something that is really truly scary? Or they want to maintain a lead and make a, a, a huge profit off of it? You know, you, you could take the cynical Sam and the team just want to make a ton of money. Or you could take the virtuous and believe them, hey, it's too dangerous for people to have I, I, what do you guys think I, I i i am struggling with this and i know sam i mean I, we're not besties but i know sam relatively well what's the actual motivation here is it capitalism or is it that they know something that we all don't and they are scared to share it the source code what do you think occam's razor i would side with the i would side with yeah you know <laughs> occam's razor is like most obvious answer and the most obvious answer in this case, is maybe Musk's razor, which is, it's what he's saying, is that it's too dangerous. And mm. that's why I, I would, you know, for someone that, uh, like you said, has been around it a long time, 
uh, really devotes his life to you know expanding humanity um, mm-hmm. through lots of different ventures. This is one of the more important ones because there will be no reason to be an interplanetary species if uh, the you know some form of AGI ensures that we are no longer a species before we can get to the you know the, the interplanetary stuff. So I would just side with him. I'd go with the most obvious answer, which is side with him. He's been looking at it and thinking about it a long time. That's my my. Mm. I I mean I'll, I have a slightly different take, Jeho. I think that okay, uh, let me hear it. Like, you know Occam's razor uh, would, would basically you know for me it would point to the fact that there's possibly you know ideological um, decisions that are made that they don't want to be public. Mm. So you know it's it's you know, the, the majority of the team decides that you know we don't want people to know that we're doing this or that and that's the simple you know, the simplest explanation is that they don't want you to see what's doing i don't think it's necessarily oh my gosh we've created a monster mm. i think it's just like we just don't want anyone to see the way we make decisions and therefore they uh can make more money uh or have a more defensible yeah. operation for, for whatever the reason is it's just like we just don't want mm. you know uh, whether it's i wish they would tell us i, well, you know, I think this is where sam needs to be a little bit more honest with uh, everybody because he's been on this press tour anyway so just tell us what what is the story between the nonprofit for profit flip maybe he's concerned about liability well, Jacob, I think going, I've had, going back I've had, to the chamas letter yeah. like we could all this is where the government could step in like they could have a hearing and it could be open or closed and they can ask yeah yeah so, i mean so this, this i think this is so acute in terms of job disruption disru- mm-hmm. disruption i don't want to yeah. say destruction but job disruption or competitiveness and ai and and chat gp open ai's lead that the government asking a couple of questions um if open ai is not going to be transparent about it i think is not a bad idea and i'm not saying that because i'm kind of trying to cause trouble for them but it's just too weird that they were open source and now they're closed no it's again and they were uh, for they were non-profit and they're for profit it's just i've never seen that in the history J- of Jacob. our industry if let's just assume okay for argument's sake this has started okay. in in florida and it was a trump organization and they were closed source you know and what why, what what would you assume if it was that for profit i think trump only cares about profits yeah do you think that well let's say it was fox news as well let's say so let's say fox news started an ai company I, honestly i think fox news is the reason fox news picks a side is because they realize that you're going to get more ratings it's better to appeal to one side and get ready. Knowing what I know about media, having spent my career in it, I I know the exact cynicism of Fox News because they're liberal when it comes to the movies and TV shows they're making. And then when it comes to news, they are incredibly conservative because that was a great mode well, that's my point. to make so it's, money. It's conservative versus liberal. Like so, so do you think the majority of people who work at OpenAI are, are, are liberals or conservatives? Well, obviously liberals, but I think a okay. bunch of them are libertarians so, too. Uh, yeah. But you know, so in that They're vein, capitalists. Well, in that vein, in that, in, yeah. that, in, in that vein, the question, I guess, is: Are there is there a liberal, um, you know, agenda? No, I don't think this has to do with politics. I think there's a profit motive here. Maybe it's well, either a profit motive or there is something in the code. To your point, that is either concerning or worth protecting got to be one of those two things but anyway we're going to find out i just wanted to show this example um here's the share gpt i did it's got 3300 views i i I shared it on my twitter as well as internally but if you take a look at the share gpt i did you can pull it up boys uh producer nick and uh you'll see 
it basically gave me the LinkedIn's, you know, and you can see, uh, you know, I'm playing with it. I'm asking it to add more. If you scroll down, you'll see, um, uh, you know, I, me putting stuff in a table and then asking it for more and more endowments and doing the LinkedIn. But then when I went to the sandbox and I started playing with that, so here's the oh, playground yeah, yeah. image. You know, stuff is getting, this is when I think about, you know, like a research position or what people's entry level jobs are. You know, if senior level people can do this, and I just said, please give me the URLs of everyone with the word partner in their title at the Ford Foundation. Uh, that's a big endowment. Uh, please provide URL for the LinkedIn page profile page of, on their website and the Twitter profile, put that in a table. And sure enough, like, here's a couple of people who work there. And I got everything I need. This is a this research that I'm demonstrating here is weeks of research. Um, and I haven't glued this together to put it into a database or make automated emails yet, or DM them, or at mention them. I mean, there is so much more I do here. If I just knew how to write a little bit of code. I want a code coach to teach me how to write code. What is it? Replit? Would I do this in Replit? Is that the company or the platform I would use? To, to be honest, sure. Yes, you can. And uh, it's a wonderful, but like... Once you get plugins enabled, you can just do this all within the the mm. uh, the plugin architecture, the, the kind of Chat GPT, uh, you know, uh, interface. Because yeah. it can write code uh, now, and, you, and it can run it for you right there. Yeah, I, uh, I a senior level person at OpenAI told me they would send it to me, so I gotta just I don't know, maybe I gotta log out and log back in and see if I oh I have plugins. Thank you to my friends <laughs> for moving me up the list. I have plugins. Okay, well, I know what my afternoon is going to be <laughs> like. Uh, if you work at my companies and you're not using this every day, you know, you might not be working for me for much longer <laughs> because you got to level up everybody. I'm, I'm looking at this and I got to say, having come from, you know, the editorial background at inside.com, I'm hire trying to find a developer because i did summaries of newsletter stories that we do like you know we kind of do bullet pointed news kind of summaries and i would say the chat gpt4 ones were not great uh but they were within 70 percent. and then i was like well compounding that means it's going to be 110 percent this year and uh so that doesn't mean i don't think we need the writers what i want the writers to do is do a level of curation and insight on top of what chat gpt does and so I, I'm just, it's got me inspired to think about so many different ways to, you know, take the newsletter business, take the investment well, business and just well, level it so up. crazy, J. Cal? Think about this, right? Mahalo. Yep. Human powered search. But all of chat, you and chat GPT could recreate all of Mahalo. It's crazy. I had a hundred people working there. Th that's what I'm thinking, year in revenue. right? You and just sitting in front of a prom could recreate an entire company from not that long ago. Yep. It's bonkers. And you know, when I talked to Sergey about Mahalo and you know, like this tiny competition, we might be at some point for Google. He said he really liked what we were doing. And, and Marissa also liked it. And um, so did Megan Smith, they just thought eventually this would be done by AI. And I guess they were right. Uh, eventually it would be and here we are 15 years later, 15 years. What were the top five Mahalo pages? It turned out that or, i or, put yeah. yeah yeah yeah. it's a great question it was very weird we had started to do some how-to content so we were just we were trying everything 
we did coupon pages, those were the highest monetizing. So we had said like, that Beth and Beyond coupon, right? And then we gave strategies for getting the coupons, pages that had them, how to get them, and then just, you know, some links and some content. Then we did pages on how to cook salmon. And at one point, how to cook salmon, we were the number one result in Google. It turned out a lot of people are typing that into Google. And, um, but it didn't monetize. Then I started making videos because people just wanted the answer of how to cook salmon. And so we just started adding more answers to the page. And, um, you know, I, it's, it was a very good lesson for me because we built a Q&A system. We had built a wiki system before, you know, after Wikipedia, but before Quora. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the real issue was the business model. We were dependent on Google for search traffic. And then when Google saw that we were answering people's questions, they cut our throats. And, uh, you know, I think that's the antitrust stuff that, you know, a lot of us had to deal with, you know, eHow, all the different how to sites, wonder, whatever, what was the site about.com that the New York Times owned. Yeah, yeah. we all basically got cut off at the knees because Google saw us as a threat. And Matt cuts lied to my face we don't have partners. And then I had the other side of the business saying we are partners, because we're making $10 million in Google AdSense together. You know, when you start making 10, 20, $30,000 a day in Google AdSense, you can be sure you got a pretty good partnership going. And people were having me over to hang out at Google. And then Matt Cutts wouldn't talk to me. And so I emailed Sergey and I talked to Sergey and I talked to Marissa and I talked to Megan Smith. And they're like, I wish we could help you. But you know, the algorithm people, they don't allow anybody to talk to them. I'm like, you don't allow anybody to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. And they basically wouldn't give you an answer. So hey, so good lesson for everybody. You gotta you, you can't have a dependency on any one company, whether it's Google or Stripe, or you know, look at BuzzFeed and Facebook. Yeah, you know, BuzzFeed is like, I, I don't even know if that company is going to be here next year. Like, they're making two or 300 and rev 200 $300 million. I think the company's worth $100 million. Now they just laid off the entire news team. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't they just shut down? Or what, what they shut down that? BuzzFeed news, but news, they still have like okay. the listicle stuff, I think still oh, works. Okay. But they were an SEO. They weren't SEO driven. They were social driven. So oh, you you know, you want to share this on Facebook, and they would siphon traffic off for Facebook until Facebook was like, you know what, this content should live on Facebook. Not your website, you know, so d just do not be dependent on anybody. And I think that's I think why I think this is so inspiring for founders is that you're going to be able my belief, um, I'll, I think we'll end on this one is we're going to see a hundred times the number of startups. Yep. That's what I think is going to happen. I think this is exactly like when Y Combinator and cloud computing, AngelList, OpenAngel Forum, my syndicate, that moment in time, many more people could build something because you only needed five people and a million dollars to build something because of cloud computing. And then it became, well, you only needed like five people and 150,000. I think now you need two people and, you know, $25,000, yeah. you know, or $250,000, which means like a very niche website or a very niche service, you know, uh, uh, an app for snowboarders, right? We use the, the app slopes, right? It's a, I think it's probably a couple of person team. Yeah. Well, there could be a version just for snowboarders, but nobody's taking the time to build that because it's only going to make $5 million in revenue. But if one person can build it, and do customer support and everything, that's like a pretty cool business. And maybe 10 people can make 10 apps instead of 10 people making one app. So I think that we're going to see like a long tail of startups and incredible software products because of this. I, I think this is going to create a revolution in startups.
I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's, it's already uh, happening. It's, it's already, already happening. happening. Yeah. 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 The, the, the one thing that needs to flow is the revenues, right? So I keep hopping on that because otherwise it's just a, uh, this is an expensive business. I mean, the, 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 the cost of running these, these models, the GPU cost of, of running the stuff, even the open AI costs, it's not cheap. If, if startups are producing stuff that just moves, you know, bits and bytes from one place to another and there's no money on the other end of it, it could be disruptive, but we have to figure out the revenue models first. Mm. All right. Listen. You guys are amazing. I uh, look forward to doing some coding with you, Sonny, over the weekend. Vinny, uh, whatever music festival you're at next, I hope you enjoy that. And you pop <laughs> some great bottles while, uh-huh. while Sonny and I are actually getting work done. Well, uh, Sonny and I are going to be popping some bottles tomorrow night. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Is there bottle popping? You guys are going out? What, a little Vegas trip? Or are you going uh-huh. out to see the Warriors in uh, Sacramento? No, What's no, going we're, on? We're, oh, we're, we're in Austin. Oh, thanks uh, for the invite. Thanks for the invite, boys. You're welcome. I guess I missed the invite. Got met. <laughs> I don't need I an invite. My, I, I need you to send a plane. I missed mine to the launch. Uh, well, <laughs> that wasn't my invite to give. <laughs> I, uh, I am. I'm. I'm lucky to have been invited uh, yeah. and uh, to the SpaceX team. Did you see the damage though? Um, we were supposed like, to actually. It's interesting you mentioned yeah. that we were supposed to go tour it, uh, yeah. but I, we ran out of time and uh, I had to get out of there. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I it's, mean, if you build the largest rocket in the world, no, it's going to leave mean, a it's going to yeah. leave a crater. <laughs> a mark. Um, it's going to leave a mark. But they have a my understanding uh, yeah. from I think what's been publicly said. I always got to be careful here. Um, is that there's a solution for that uh, yeah. that they have? Yeah. And no, it's I think a, it, yeah. he's uh, he's done a pretty good job of highlighting like, hey, we were supposed to have this water cooled thing, but we the water cooled thing. Yes, we yes. didn't think we needed it, but now we'll we'll put it in. Um, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's, it was really inspiring, J. Cal. That was awesome to see. So. I, you know, I've lived a lot of life. I have, you know, been to the NBA finals. I have skied in Japan. I, you know, ha- I've done it all. I think, like, uh, in terms of, I've done a lot in terms of human existence. It was aside from the birth of my three daughters. It was the most intense experience of my life. Wow! Wow! So two births three kids we had twins and then the launch of starship would be the most intense electrifying experiences of my life that's awesome pretty pretty i mean what we saw i mean i think it was kind of like watching the course of humanity change the scale of this rocket is i've i mean i've been to starbase a number of times and i've been on the top of um the there's a building where they build just the top part of the rocket the starship the starship the actual starship not the yeah. booster yep i have been up the freight elevator to the top of just the starship and i think i don't know how many stories that is 30 or something i mean 40 and you're you're looking down at this rocket ship or looking up at it and it's like whoa the starship is a very large vehicle and i have been inside the starship like uh, the cone of it, like yeah. maybe the top third of it, I've been inside where the payload is. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, the payload area, it, it feels like the size of a warehouse. It is not, it's, it's not possible to comprehend how large this thing is until you see a human or you've stood next to it. Yeah. It does not feel like something that could, it, it, it feels as if the Empire State Building is going to space. That's the closest analogy I can give you. If you if you stand at the bottom of a skyscraper, at the bottom, and you just yeah, and you look up and you're like, imagine that 
flying through the air for four minutes at whatever number, whatever speed it was going at. That's what just happened. The Empire State Building or something in that range. Yeah, incredible. Going to space. I mean, I it's it was, it was awesome to watch. And it you know really what? Awesome watch, yeah. He's been pretty clear. Like, that's an old rocket. They got, you know, the next couple ready to go. Yeah. So, th again, talk about compounding. He's compounding physics down there. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone compounding AI. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, pretty fantastic if uh, he can stay focused on that, you know, and, and really that team is dialed in. They are dialed in. Uh, it was very impressive. It, you, you underestimate I mean, what you can do in the short are, term. They have to be the smartest engineers in the world to do what they're doing, literally. It's it's not Rocket just their intelligence, <laughs> it's their motivation. The, the, yeah, it's, no, it is incredible. When you go to Starbase, that is a citadel of technological achievement. It is it is like going to the Vatican or to a monastery. It, it is not like anything you've experienced in your life. They are there to colonize Mars. So the vibes you get are crazy. I mean, here's a scale against a human. And just to give people an idea, if you're listening, if you're watching, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we see the human. Yeah, there's a tiny little human there. And that's just, and here what, we go. What, what, what does it cost to build this thing? Um, it's actually I, not crazy I don't, expensive. It, right? it, yeah, I, I don't want to say, but I think yeah. they're going to, like the Tesla Model Y, it's getting cheaper and cheaper and it's reusable is the idea. Yeah. So those arms are going to grip it when it comes back down. So they didn't even attempt that, but just like they figured out maybe i don't know if it was 20 or 30 times into the falcon how to land them and how to land all the boosters and everything yeah wow. they're going to be able to reuse these and if they can reuse these and they can have they, they could have these going up daily like they do with the falcon like they, how often do you see falcon launches it's been 224 of them yeah, i think almost like every day now right they do them well, so. i don't know if it's quite yeah. every day but i think there's been weeks when there's been multiple yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. moving wow. i think towards that pace and that means payloads in space are going to be absurdly cheap yeah i think i read something Vinny, and like it, it, ultimately they'll get it down to like 20 million dollars or something what that's nothing yeah yeah it's it's already changed everything. It's cheaper than Austin Atherton, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. and you know what? When you're if you're inside that tip where the payload is, it's the same size. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same size of these outrageous uh, homes in uh, Atherton. Well, all right, uh, great job, Sunny. Great job, Vinny. We'll see you all next time. Thanks on this Thanks, week's guys. service. Bye bye. Right.